And now, as the dice roll, brought to you today by Cthulhu Comics. Come for the comic books, stay for the clandestine meetings. In the sand of the Mojave Desert in California, off historic Route 66, sits a small desert town called Baghdad. We have some ancient prophecy that something bad's going to go down in Baghdad. It's a town of shadows and secrets. Things aren't as they seem, but we're still not quite sure what's going on. Where bumps in the night aren't the house settling. Trying to find answers. And the monster under your bed lies in wait for your foot to leave the safety of your covers. My mom used to tell me all of these weird stories about monsters, but I didn't really believe anything she said because, you know, that's crazy talk. It's a world where cultists spend their days pushing papers at the DMV and their nights summoning ancient creatures from the dread beyond. Seeing maybe something happened down at Cryptocore. The expert. Susan Donaldson. The town vet. The freelancer. People call me Beth. Hunting is sort of just like a business that I'm in. The deathless. Bruce the zombie and his father cast a spell to bring him back. The initiate. Donovan Elaine, part of an ancient order of monster hunters. The Monstrous. Zeke Solardier. He works for Cryptocore, which is his family's corporation. It's a town where it's very hard to tell what is real and what is not. Welcome to Baghdad. Hello, welcome to the first episode of What Is Not, our As the Dice Roll Monster of the Week campaign. My name is Joe Hogan, and I will be the keeper for this set of stories. And we are joined by some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful players today, and I would like them to all introduce themselves. Uh, Let's start with Katie. Why don't we start with you? I'm Katie. I am a avid podcaster, as in I have three of them already that I (laughs) co-host that are all on the geek to geek Media Network, which is Disney Forever, the best Disney movie podcast with Void, who's from the geek to geek podcast. And then I have two podcasts with my best friend, which is Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And then You Can't Stop Me Loving K-Pop. Yes. And and makes frequent appearances on other podcasts as well on our network. You're like the network everywhere. It's awesome. I'm available for all things. <laughs> also on the network is Todd. Todd, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're coming from. Hi. Well, listeners would probably recognize me as the GM on another As the Dice Rolls adventure, uh, the GURPS one called um, Cautious Optimism. Joe, you can edit out the part where I had to remember the name of my own <laughs> podcast. I also am on Nerdberg Review, where my sister and I talk about video games, and those are both on the geek to geek Network. Yes. Now, also a podcaster, but uh, not on the geek to geek Network. Mandy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Mandy. I'm playing Susan the Vet. I'm a former podcaster with Bet You Didn't Know That and WEC Podcast and occasional historical guest on Geektitude, and, and happy to be here. 
And then we also have our other DM from the Horsefeather Saga portion of As the Dice Roll, Drew. Yeah, my name's Drew. I I think I'm still technically a virginal podcaster. Joe is definitely the one who's been popping my cherry. (laughs) (laughs) I am doing the uh, Horse Feather Saga, which is just this silly idea that I came up with for my friends, and Joe convinced me that we should record it because we've been laughing so hard about it. But uh, yeah, that is the extent of my podcasting, so gentle as i edit those episodes like i just tears i laugh so hard when i'm editing uh the horse feather saga because we just do some random stuff there <laughs> some very random yeah stuff. it's it's very very random uh and last but certainly not least matt well hello my name is matt i am not a podcaster this is my very second podcast but um you probably know me through my infamous role as Joe's husband. Yes. And uh, it's, it's an exciting, uh, exciting place to be. <laughs> and that's, that's it. That's our, our crew. All right, folks. So let's get ourselves started. Matt, why don't you give us your basic elevator pitch? My character is the Monstrous. His name is Zeke Solardier. It's a little bit of meaning in that. He was born and raised in Baghdad. As a matter of fact, he is the great-great-grandson of one of the founders of Cryptocore, who founded Cryptocore when he got back from fighting with the 1st Marine Brigade in Iceland during the Second World War with some of his Marine Corps buddies. Zeke has never really fit in very well, though. He's this big, huge, oafish guy, kind of always bigger, taller, hairier than any of the other guys. Never felt like he fit in, but he's also super bright and brainy. So those two things just didn't go together. So didn't feel like he fit in very well. Went off to college, majored in environmental engineering at Cornell. Came back and is now working in a basically created for him job by his dad at Cryptocore doing environmental engineering, which means not really much of anything. I think that's kind of the the crux of this this character and his history. Did you want to hear something more, Joe? No, I think that's perfect. That gives people an idea of how to bounce histories off of you. Okay. Uh, Todd. Hi. Okay. So I'm going to be playing Donovan Halean. He is a 50-year-old. He's from Ireland. And he is part of an ancient order of monster hunters. They have just discovered that there are places called named Baghdad that are not in the Middle East. And so I've been sent here by the order to check this place out and see if there's any monster activity. We have some ancient prophecy that something bad's going to go down in Baghdad. And we've been foolishly thinking the only Baghdad in the world was, you know, in Iraq. So I laughed very hard because in Todd's description, he said they just got it, the internet. And that's yeah. why they, they were like, what? There's other places called Baghdad? <laughs> and that's hilarious. <laughs> We just got internet installed at the Abbey, and we'd heard from the kids that you could go to Google and find all this information. We were like, ah, hey, let's see what Google has to say about Baghdad. And then we're like, Baghdad, California? Oh, my God. Who knew? Mandy, you're up. My name is Susan Donaldson. I'm 39, and I'm the town vet, the James Harriet of Baghdad, because if you've got a goat, I can take care of it. If you've got a pet lizard, I got your back. I took over the family business from my dad 10 years ago. He died mysteriously, but he was kind of a bastion of the town as far as animals went. So he was a real caretaker for many, many families. 
I was raised by him and I thought he had taught me everything he knew, but it was six years ago that I discovered a hidden basement beneath his shed that was behind the vet office. And it's got rooms of weapons and sciencey things and an infirmary. I, it was basically just opened me up to this whole nother world that I didn't know existed in my town. It was at this time when my sister died and she also died mysteriously and she left behind my niece and my nephew. My sister and our friend Athena, she owns a shooting range in town. We were thick as thieves. And when my sister died, I decided I was going to help my brother-in-law raise my niece. And then my nephew went off into the army. Basically, now we know that things aren't as they seem, but we're still not quite sure what's going on in town had romantic relationships during my lifetime with men, women, but I'm celibate now because I'm convinced that the women in my family are cursed. And I'm grateful now that I never had any kids because both my mom and my sister died when their daughters were nine. And so now I don't know yet if the, the curse extends only to mothers in my family because I feel kind of cursed in my own way, knowing what I do about the underbelly of our town, but I'm not going to leave because I don't want to leave my niece unprotected. I have an assistant. I rely on her for everything, but I have only told her so much because I'm trying to protect her as well. And I get anxious. And when I do, I start singing, row, row, row your boat. And that's just how I deal. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. I feel like uh, I need to go write a bunch more backstories. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things you, you're going to learn about Mandy is Mandy is all about preparation, and that is why she picked the expert. <laughs> wow. Expertly done. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Katie. Hello. Okay. So I'm Elizabeth. People call me Beth. Like, well, my friends did. If I had friends, but I don't really have any friends. But anyways, hunting is sort of just like a business that I'm in, but people don't know about it. I was raised... In Baghdad, I lived with my mom, but I left town uh, to go to college, but I'm back now. I've been here for about seven years. People think I'm cute. I think I'm cute too, but I'm tough. I work at the local coffee shop because, you know, things are getting gentrified here in Baghdad and I am obsessed with fancy coffee. So of course I work at the coffee shop. I make a mean latte. But also I work at the mechanics because I love cars and I'm really good at fixing them. And then at night I hunt monsters. As far as like getting into hunting, um, my mom used to tell me all of these weird stories about monsters, but I didn't really believe anything she said because, you know, that's crazy talk. But then after I left town and went to college and stuff, my best friend Ruby was killed and... I don't know why. And the thing that killed her just vanished. And I just decided to look into why that happened and what I was seeing because I couldn't even believe what I saw. And now turns out that all the things and stories that my mom used to tell me are as true as the day is the night and all of that. And yeah, I haven't been the same since then. So now I'm back living in town. Um, yeah, just living in the house where I grew up because my mom is not there anymore. And yeah, it's pretty much all I got. Perfect. And last up is Drew. 
Okay, so I am playing the Deathless, and that is, I'm going to be a zombie. I have not chosen a name. I'm thinking one of the hunters at some point could come up with a name for me because my guy has no tongue. He can't, he can't talk. He's just going to mumble and use charades to communicate. Um, I'm going to say he's very, very old, like centuries old, and throughout the centuries, he's died numerous times, but he keeps coming back to life because... He has a memory of his father being a necromancer, and he had his true death, and his father cast a spell to bring him back, and he's been unable to truly die because of that, but he really has no other memories of his father or his you know, origins, so he's been kind of just wandering the world trying to find answers because he can't die. I'm leaning towards that he's currently a vegetarian. <laughs> He's going to be carrying a sword and some throwing daggers, and he's just going to basically, like, my thought of describing him really quickly is that he's going to have, like, really rotted skin, and he's going to smell pretty bad, but, like, underneath his skin, he's going to kind of be glowing, like, a blackish-greenish, like, aura. That's what basically keeps him going. And so he'll have a sword, and he'll basically just stick it into his, like, chest or into his back, because, you know... He can't really hurt himself, so that'll be the way he carries his weapons. He'll always have glasses on because his eyes are always like kind of glowing that blackish greenish glow. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have to figure out how he kind of is <laughs> getting around without being like sticking out like a sore thumb, but we'll we'll figure it out. He's always dressed up like a tourist. Yeah, I kind of got a, like a, a weekend at Bernie's vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so that's kind of everybody's just basic character. Uh, my players have heard this, but I'm going to read just to give it a little bit of context. The camera pans into a desert. It's the southern part of the Mojave Desert. And in the southern part of the Mojave Desert, among the sand and shrub, along the historic Route 66, sits a tiny cemetery with a handful of graves. They are marked with simple, nameless wooden crosses. This, and a solitary tree is all that is left of a small desert town in California called Baghdad. It's quite possible that you've heard of Baghdad from the Baghdad Cafe movie in 1987, but even that was actually filmed 50 miles away in Newbury Springs. No, there's nothing terribly remarkable about Baghdad. It was abandoned in the early 1970s, and its collapsing structures were torn down in 1991. But our story doesn't take place in this Baghdad, but in a Baghdad that exists in a completely different reality than ours. It is a reality of shadows and secrets, where bumps in the night aren't the house settling, and the monster under your bed is indeed waiting for your foot to leave the safety of your blankets. It's a reality where cultists spend their days pushing paperwork at the DMV and their nights summoning ancient creatures from the dark beyond. It's a reality where Baghdad is known as the town that never died. In this version of Baghdad, the population was saved by the incoming of Cryptocore Industries, which was a big government think tank that came in and basically turned Baghdad into a company town. So for the last several decades, hundreds of people have been employed by Cryptocore and make their living off of either the Cryptocore Industries research facility or from the surrounding services and just the things you need to make, you know, the city a working, functioning city for the people who work there. Our story today begins in a small little comic book store called Cthulhu Comics. The first thing I'm going to ask is, do any of your characters frequent Cthulhu Comics? Uh. 
<laughs> my niece Alex goes there all the time. It's her second home. Have you been there, though? I've gone there to buy her presents. Okay. Zeke goes to Cthulhu Comics, yes. Pretty regularly? On the now and again. Okay. Bruce the zombie likes to read zombie comics. Nice. <laughs> I, I pick up some 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 comics for, for Bruce, too. Very nice. Beth does not go there. Sorry. Beth does not go to the comic store. Nah. All right. So all of you have received some sort of invitation. How this invitation was passed along to you is up to you. You can tell us when you introduce your character. But basically, the idea is somebody says they know about the secret you're trying to solve, and they have information. And if you come to this meeting, they can give you more information about what you're looking for. Everybody's is probably different. The secret was important enough that intrigued you that you were going to go to this meeting. So who shows up first? Who's, who's the most punctual in the group? I think Donovan probably does. Donovan, you walk in and you see a larger guy at the register. Muscle large, not fat. He's wearing a Green Lantern t-shirt and Ray-Ban glasses, even though it is basically dusk. And he has a camo baseball cap on. Through the rest of the store, the only other person who's walking around is a blonde woman who kind of keeps looking at the door as if she was waiting for someone. And your instructions have been to walk to the back of the store where there's like a little gaming area. It's kind of closed off by a curtain, but this is where people go to play their tabletop role-playing games. There's a big table set up for Warhammer. It's your typical kind of gaming store back room, which has enough room for people to meet and gather. Okay. I'll walk into the back of the store then, like the instructions say. Very good. And go ahead and describe and introduce your character. Donovan is a 50-year-old man. He's got red hair, and he is wearing what he believes is the style of American dress. He's wearing blue jeans and a pink shirt, and he's wearing sneakers. And he's trying his best to blend in, but he is from out of town, so people probably notice that he's not from around here. Very good. Who's the next person to show up? Susan. I walk in the door. Go ahead and describe Susan for us. Susan is tall. She's got long black hair. She's around 40. And she basically normally just is kind of wears nondescript, kind of utility clothing, no makeup. Just uh, she tries to most of the time just kind of blend in. She's got lots of hair all over her clothes because she is a vet and works with animals. Yes, we all know how having animals affects your attire. <laughs> Does she also head back to the, the back room? Yep, she heads back to the back room. Who wants to jump in next? I'll jump in. So Zeke. Go ahead and describe Zeke for us. Okay, so Zeke is a young man. He's 26 years old. He works for Cryptocore, which is his family's corporation. Zeke is perhaps most easily described as kind of oafish. He's just this big guy, kind of one of those guys who's a head taller than everybody else, broad shoulders, fur everywhere. And so he just kind of lumbers along. The oafishness kind of hides the fact that he's actually really quite a, a bright guy. And he's dressed in as corporate attire as the city or town of Baghdad would call for at Cryptocore. So in other words, jeans and an untucked button-down shirt, a little bit of messed up hair. 
and a pair of glasses because he feels it makes him just look a little less oafish than he otherwise would when he's at work. Perfect. Now, Zeke notices that he has actually never seen the guy behind the counter before. This is a new guy. It's not Ian who's normally there. It's not unusual for Ian to have a friend sub in for him when he is out of town or has some other obligation. But you've you've never seen this particular gentleman before. All right. Do you also go back to the back room? Yes. So Zeke has an affinity for burgers and eats a burger from the same place almost every day for lunch. And one day, a few days before he unwrapped his burger and written on the inside of the wrapper was a little note just telling him to come here and to head in and head straight to the back without uh, looking at, at other people as he did so. So he followed those directions. I think that leaves us with Katie or Drew. Um, I can be next. Go for it. So Beth is 26 also. She is basically like the head barista at the local coffee shop. She just got off of work and she had gotten a note on a napkin, like under some dirty dishes on a table at the coffee shop that she works at, telling her to come to the comic book shop. And she's wearing her favorite blue plaid flannel shirt that she always wears with jeans and boots. Her hair is tied up like it always is to be out of the way. And she's got her crossbody bag that she always carries. She keeps things that she needs in her bag always. She just walks in. She not normally comes into the comic book store. It's just not like a place that she likes to go. And just walks straight back into the back without talking to anybody. Now, one thing that Beth might notice that others might not is that the blonde you actually know. Yes. The woman who's there, you actually know her name is Winifred Jones. And she actually works with you at the mechanics. And when she sees you come in, she tries not to make eye contact with you. Although it's a very small store, so it's not like she doesn't know that you know she's there, but it's almost kind of like she just doesn't want to engage with you, which is unusual because she's usually a relatively friendly person. Okay. All right. The last person to come in would be then uh, Bruce. Um, (laughs) So... Bruce the zombie kind of slowly comes into the comic shop. He is a zombie, so he is going to be wearing probably many layers of clothing so that you can't really see that he's kind of decayed and smelly and got this glowing greenish blackish aura that comes out. And so he's got to wear glasses because his eyes are always glowing. He walks into the comic shop. He is glued to his phone. He cannot speak, so he tries to either mumble or play charades with people, or he's just really good at social media. So he's probably coming into the comic book shop, sending a message to one of his BFFs, probably, you know, liking some coffee pictures that he saw and, you know, some cute animal pictures and whatnot, and just kind of slowly walks in and kind of like does his at the uh, owner of the comic shop. Now, he also goes to the comic shop pretty regularly, yes? Yes. Okay, so he also would not necessarily recognize this guy who's just kind of there at the front? Correct, yes. As you guys go into the back, 
there are four more individuals that seem to be waiting for this meeting to start. And one is obviously the person who's going to be conducting the meeting. He has salt and pepper gray hair. It's kind of combed up. He's in a a very fancy suit. Uh, He has a dark beard and he is kind of shuffling some papers around The other people there you may or may not recognize, depending on how your character relates to the city, but there is somebody that most of you would probably, if you were anywhere integrated into town happenings, there is a woman that you recognize as Karen McCarthy. She is kind of light brown hair with highlights. She is the head of the PTA. She is head of the women's church group. She is in everybody's business. She is known to be an anti-vaxxer, and she is very much about this conspiracy that something is being done to vaccines in Baghdad. The thing that makes her different than regular anti-vaxxers is she says it's just here. She's not opposed to vaccines, but she thinks there's some sort of government conspiracy because she does have a child at home that has severe disabilities, and she believes that that is the cause. This is the very public knowledge. Also, there is somebody that if you frequent the library, you recognize as Baghdad's librarian. They are a gender-fluid individual by the name of Vic Brinkley. They often present as either gender. This particular evening, Vic is presenting very female. They have uh, a tight pencil skirt on and a blouse. Many people don't necessarily care for Vic. They don't trust Vic because they, quote unquote, don't know what Vic is. And this is a town that doesn't like strange things, even though it is completely full of strange things. And then there's a gentleman with dark reddish hair in the back that none of you recognize. This is somebody that really you haven't seen around town. Even somebody who sees a lot of the traffic that comes in and out, like Beth, doesn't recognize this gentleman. The last person to arrive very hesitantly and very cautiously, not sure, very out of place, is a high school boy. Some of you, if you are into football, as the town is one of those football-heavy towns, you recognize as the high school quarterback, and his name is is Mason. And so this is obviously a collection of people that have been gathered for some reason. Is there anything that anybody wants to do before the meeting starts? Donovan will point over at Zombie Bruce and say, or didn't We killed that zombie the other night. Zombie Bruce tries to wave at uh, Donovan and be his BFF. Donovan very nervously waves back, very confused. Susan walks a little bit protectively over to to Bruce, sensing that there might be some confusion as to his appropriateness for being there. And also because when he walks in, The smell is so powerful, she pulls some of her ready oils out of her pocket and surreptitiously kind of passes it around to everyone in the room to put under their nose. (laughs) Zeke gives dirty looks to Karen, just kind of stares her down a little bit. And then he tries to smile and be friendly to Vic, but she just kind of ignores him. 
Beth is on her phone, but she's not really on her phone. She's just sort of sitting there, like, looking like she's on her phone, but she's cautiously watching everyone, specifically the people that she doesn't know. The gentleman with the salt and pepper hair and the dark beard stands up and says, Ladies and gentlemen, let me please introduce myself. My name is Robert Hagbard, and I called you here today because I know all of you are searching for something. There's something in your life that is not right, or is mysterious, or is strange, and I think I might have some answers for you. I'm part of an organization that would like to put together a small group that is willing to investigate some things, take care of some things in Baghdad, because I'm sure all of you at this point know that Baghdad's not like most places. Baghdad's a little different, and all of you are a little different. And so that's why we're here today, so that hopefully we can maybe join together and figure out why these differences might occur. Any reactions? Susan raises her hand. Yes, Susan, please. You mentioned you're part of an organization. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? All I can say is that there are certain entities that would like to keep themselves anonymous. And so all I can tell you is that we have some stake in making sure that those things that you're concerned about, each as individuals, are um, rooted out and taken care of. Zeke is just a bit nervous by the whole thing. He tries to kind of make himself smaller, if at all possible, worrying that Maybe other people have noticed the changes to himself that occasionally occur, and he's afraid of of that being revealed. Susan wants answers, and, and she's curious, but she's not trusting what's going on in the room. Bruce the uh, zombie uh, is excited by this and starts logging into his LinkedIn account to update his profile. <laughs> <laughs> when When you say take care of, you mean kill, right? Oh, whoa, whoa. Nobody is talking about killing anything or anybody, but um, some of you have friends that have disappeared, and he kind of gives Mason a knowing glance. Some of you have family problems. He gives Karen a knowing glance. Some of you are curious about your place in this world, and he gives Zeke a knowing glance. All these questions can be answered, but it's going to take a group effort to figure them all out. What do you want from us? So are we being initiated into some sort of an organ, your organization? Um, hired, perhaps is a better word, uh, employed to mutual benefit. Is there going to be a hazing? <laughs> he kind of smiles he's like no there will be no hazing but there will be expectations with that out of nowhere does everybody does seem to be kind of surprised by what happens next but often the distance from the direction of cryptocore the big factory that's south of the town there's a large explosion There's an explosion, and then the engineer goes into cardiac arrest. No, wait, that's that's our other campaign. Hello, I'm Joe Hogan, editor of As the Dice Roll, and I want to welcome you to our premiere episode of our Monster of the Week campaign. What is not? 
Now, if you are new to As the Dice Roll and are checking us out because we're a Monster of the Week campaign, first of all, welcome. And second, consider checking out our other campaigns. We have two of them. We have a GURP sci-fi campaign called Cautious Optimism. It's run by Todd, who plays Donovan in this campaign. That campaign has gotten enough momentum that we've just started releasing it every week on Fridays. So every Friday, release an episode of Cautious Optimism, at least for the next two months. If Firefly and Star Trek had a baby and let the Orville raise it, you'd get Cautious Optimism. Hopefully that paints a vivid picture for you. Uh, We also have a wacky D&D 5e campaign, The Horse Feathers Saga, which is run by our very own Bruce the Zombie, Drew. It's a spin that mixes D&D with pop culture tropes, and the result is so much fun. That campaign will be releasing on the fourth Tuesday of every month, as soon as it comes off hiatus. Until it does, we're going to be doing our What Is Not campaigns on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. But there are seven episodes of the Horse Feather Saga in our feed right now that you can listen to and catch up on until then. And just a heads up, that campaign does carry an explicit tag because, well, we swear a lot and do other horrible things you're allowed to do in fantasy settings. But enough about our other campaigns. This is What Is Not. It's an idea I've had running in my head for years now, and I'm so grateful to the players who are giving me a chance to see this world come to life. I'm a big fan of shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Supernatural, so I absolutely love Monster of the Week. I also love conspiracy theories, not giant space lasers starting fires in California conspiracies, but more cryptids and UFOs and the Illuminati. I think that stuff is fun to think about and play with. And so I've melded the two together and that's how I got what is not. Now, this is a conspiracy setting. So we want to know what your theories are. Can you figure out what the monster they're hunting is before the hunters do? And I like to hide Easter eggs in my games. So let us know if you can spot any. You can email us at podcast at asthedicerollcast.com. Or you can check out our Twitter at asthedicerollrp or our Instagram at asthedicerole. We also have a voice message option. Hop onto our anchor site or on the website at asthedicerollcast.com. Click the message link and say hello. We want to hear from you. And I may even play your audio during these wonderful intermissions. That's it for me for now. Let's head back and see what's going down in Baghdad after a quick commercial break. When toxic culture has you down, when you're just looking to laugh and have fun, kick back and enjoy watching a video game, or just make some new friends, it's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network, a community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, Comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. Out of nowhere, does everybody does seem to be kind of surprised by what happens next, but often the distance from the direction of Cryptocore, the big factory that's south of the town, there's a large explosion, a very, very, very loud explosion, and all you can feel the the rumble from the explosion. And all of a sudden, several things happen. First of all, Vic, the librarian, they pull out a gun from their bag 
and they put it under Robert's chin and hold him there as if to hold him hostage. They immediately say, what did you do? You can see that the redheaded guy in the back that nobody really knows is now at alert. And the guy who was sitting at the front counter has come in with a shotgun. And this is all happening very quick. What do you guys do? Beth pulls a gun from her bag and has it pointed at the people holding guns. Bruce the zombie tries to take a selfie. Uh, <laughs> happening. Susan is frozen and starts to sing silently under her breath. Row, 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 down the street. I'd like to examine the whole situation and uh, what read a bad situation. Okay, first roll of the game. Go for it. All right. Uh, what do I add to that? Read a bad situation, I believe, is plus sharp. Okay. So I add nothing. Oh, hey, I get experience. (laughs) (laughs) I rolled a three. You are completely confused. You don't really know who's on whose side. You don't know what is going on. It's just kind of chaos for you. Okay, that was helpful. (laughs) But thank you for the first roll of the game. That's awesome. So Donovan's just looking around all confused now, accomplishing nothing. And Zeke is kind of panicking a little bit. He's pulled out his phone and he's trying to message people, thinking maybe something happened down at CryptoCore, and he's trying to figure out what's going on without anybody seeing him. All right, so Robert is not as startled as he should be to having a gun up against him. There is a back door to this room that leads out to the alleyway, and Vic is slowly backing him towards the door. The guy from the front starts to kind of circle around to join Vic. And the guy with the red hair has also pulled a weapon and is slowly kind of backing out with Robert. Vic goes, look, he is lying to you. He's part of the problem. If you really want to know what's going on, you need to read between the lines. And as they say this, you see a white van pull up behind the door, you know, outside in the alley. Beth, you recognize that the woman you saw earlier, Winnie, who works with you, is actually the one driving the van. She tosses a key to the redheaded guy who tosses the key to you. I don't know if you catch it or not. That's up to you. Uh, yeah, I caught the key. And they start backing up out the door, and Vic looks Beth straight in the eye and once again says, read between the lines. And they pull Robert into the van and speed off. What does everybody do? Zombie Bruce sends a text to Susan that simply says, WTF, mate. And Susan nods her head and says, what the hell just happened? Beth is just staring at the key in her hand. What she has is a key that you don't know exactly what it opens, but attached almost like a keychain is a business card. And it is Vic Brinkley's library business card. Susan asks Beth, did you know them? Um, Beth knows the Winnie the driver, she's the one who was behind the wheel and she works with Beth at the mechanic shop. And Susan knows Vic um, because she goes to the library a lot. I mean, I, I've known Vic for a long time. I, I trust Vic. Robert was giving me, yes, Robert was giving me a, a bad vibe. 
so I don't quite know who we can trust here, but but I feel like I can vouch for Vic. Uh, Beth recognizes Vic from coming into the coffee shop. Zeke, you work for the Cryptocore. Can you call somebody at work and find out what that explosion was? Yeah, I've been trying to text folks there and nobody's responding at all. Uh, don't text. Nobody responds to text. Use it like a phone, <laughs> man. <laughs> Talk into it, you kids. All right. I give a call and I, I just go straight to voicemail. No, no rings or anything. It's like their phones are off. Karen, at this point, you, you notice, which you may not have noticed before, that she has this tiny little handgun that she's pulled out of her purse that she was like ready to go, but it was very under the... <laughs> under the scope. She's she flying under the radar. Well, this was a complete waste of my night. This was a complete waste of my time. Mason, honey, let's let let me drive you home. I don't even know why you're here. Uh, we're leaving. I'm sorry. I don't I don't want anything to do with this. And she starts walking out the back door. Can I ask Mason a question? Uh yeah, go ahead. Mason. Mason, he mentioned that there was a friend who disappeared. Is that why you were invited here? Can you tell us a little bit more? Karen is giving him like a no, you're coming with me look, but he does stop and say, uh, yeah, my girlfriend disappeared a, a couple of weeks ago. And she's missing? Yeah, yeah. She's been missing for, for a couple of weeks and, and nobody's heard from her and we're, we're all pretty worried. Okay. I was going to say, Zika actually knows Vic. He knows Vic from the one, uh, one of the very few uh, gay bars in town because Zika's is gay himself, although he's not out to a lot of people because uh, he's a little bit worried about his family at Cryptocore. But so he actually knows Vic. And so he's texting her, trying to ask her what's going on and what's the whole story. Vic has not responded as of yet. No. Can Susan get Mason's phone number or send him a text real quick? She just wants to make sure she can keep in touch with him. Yeah, Karen very, very much is not sure about this, but she does know Susan and, and figures she's probably harmless. So she's she kind of nods to Mason and Mason kind of like does the whole little like take your phone, put his number in thing. Okay. Zombie Bruce gets this excited look on his zombie face and starts to do charades that makes it out to be that he wants to become Sherlock Holmes and form a Justice League with everybody to solve this issue. (laughs) (laughs) Next time on What Is Not... One of those medium-sized moving vans has overturned, and there is a huge hole in the cargo space. There's an unspoken rule that if you need to get information about weird happenings, lose a little bit more open to it than the other police officers. We've been told that they were transporting chimpanzees. You've been listening to As the Dice Roll. The As the Dice Roll intro music is The Soap Opera by James Bowers. You can find and license his music through Pond5 at Pond5.com. All the rest of the music in this episode is by Darren Curtis and can be found at DarrenCurtisMusic.com. The opening voiceover is by our very own Rob Sometimes. You can find his podcast at ComicBox.Libsyn.com. And the As the Dice Roll logo was created by Marcel Edwards. Check out her book, No Great Matter, at MSEdwards.com. As the Dice Roll is a proud member of the geek to geek Media Network. Check out other geek to geek shows, streams, and content at 
geek2geekmedia.com. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to podcast at asthedicerollcast.com. Individual players and GMs, social media can be found on our website at asthedicerollcast.com. 